0: Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Are you listening to the right podcast? Because you're supposed to be listening to Three Guys in Flick. Are you listening to that right now? Then you're in the right place. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is
1: about to begin.
0: Uh, no kids, uh, I brought a little bit of Jersey with me today, man. I cannot wait to share this movie with you. I have been on tour for, let's see, I believe this is show 15 of 50. Um, so, <laughs> you yeah. I've seen it with so many audiences now, and it's fucking bliss for me, man. Like, fucking, I, it, it's like I've described it all the time as going to a church where I'm both the priest and Jesus at the same time. <laughs> um, it's so lovely, all the fucking affection comes this way and whatnot. So I hang out behind the curtain, man, right in front of my fucking screen. And most cats, maybe you don't know this, maybe you do, you, you know, we project light at the screen, you watch a movie from the other side of the screen, we see you. It's like a fucking two-way mirror of sorts. So, while you're staring up there, I'm fucking staring at you. <laughs> fucking out every fucking face, man. And it's lovely because all the affection heads this way. Every time, like, fucking, I'm, I'm not telling the audience how to react to what you want, but I've been on the tour for a while now. Every time they see a fucking face, they go like, Wah! It's like fucking amazing. And so, I'm standing behind the screen and all that energy hits me like fucking Tony Stark when the Jericho bomb goes off. <laughs> <up. laughs> and then we have drinks. It's amazing. Um so I can't wait to, to watch it uh with y'all. I've likened this experience to uh, a reunion of sorts, but not like a high school reunion, man, where you're like, oh my God, I got this invitation, now I gotta buy a suit, I hated all these fuckers 20 years ago and shit. <laughs> this is a different kind of reunion where you just bump into somebody that you absolutely fucking adore, who you haven't seen in a while, and am like, holy fuck, how are you, man? they got lots of time. Too. Let's grab a drink. Let's grab a smoke. Let's just hang out and fucking talk. Let's eat and shit. And you do wind up sitting there talking and laughing your fucking ass off about, about shit that happened 20, sometimes 30 fucking years ago, but crystallizes in your fucking head as if it was fucking yesterday. Uh, you're crying, getting emotional about the people you've lost along the way and whatnot. It becomes one of the greatest days of your life because you've literally folded fucking time onto itself. Tonight is one of those nights, ladies and gentlemen, because your friends are back. Dante is here. Randall is here. And Jason Simon-Bob are here, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Welcome back, you are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Clerks 3. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from the quick stop in New Jersey, my name is Don. And to my right, we have the comic book guy, this is John. I'm not even supposed to be here. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Welcome. Welcome. All right, how are you guys doing?
2: Doing great. A little tired, but doing great.
1: Yeah? Yeah? Why why are you so tired, bud? We kind of had a late night last night. Yeah? Why is that? Because we got to see the master himself. Yeah, we got to go see Kevin Smith, and we got to check out Clerks 3, which, I have to tell you, has been highly anticipated um, for myself, because I'm a huge, as everybody knows, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, and... Uh, last night was fucking awesome. Did it live up to the hype? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, Professor, what do you think? I thought it was very enjoyable.
3: Uh, it was a very enjoyable evening. And the listeners may not necessarily know that Clerks Three almost didn't necessarily get made. It was it was a long and winding road to have this movie get made. the uh, The movie was uh, moving forward, but it ended up getting stalled because Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall, he didn't want to move forward with it. Wasn't it that he didn't like the script that that Kevin Smith had? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was he was he was adamant that he wasn't going to have anything to do with it. And so for many years, like what eight years or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It sat around for a while.
3: It sat around, and eventually, uh, they rendezvoused. Uh, it was some sort of a. Sc- uh, some sort of an autograph signing session or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. They were able to uh, just kind of sort of uh, bury the hatchet, if you will, and, and just kind of sort of mend things. And it inspired Kevin Smith to make him say, I got to go in a totally different direction with this movie. And because of that, we have Clerks 3.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and this will be the second Clerks film that we have reviewed. We've reviewed Clerks 2. So if you haven't listened to that, go scroll down in your feed and it's there. Uh, We haven't done Clerks, though. No, but I also want to push it. I know you said that this is spoilers, but this movie is
2: currently in theaters. If you haven't gone and seen it, go see it. Nothing beats seeing
1: it in the theater. Damn, that's the pure definition of spoiler. But thank you for pointing that out.
2: Well, I just want them to give Kevin Smith some more money is what I'm looking to push. Well,
1: just say that next time.
2: Because, you know, he could be listening
1: and i hope he is and kevin thank you for a wonderful evening you are by far one of the coolest dudes we have ever met so um yeah right on if you haven't seen it go see it if you've seen it go see it again let's just keep making kevin some money clerics 3 was released on september 13th 2022 directed by kevin smith story by kevin smith and it stars brian o'halloran jeff anderson Trevor Furman, Austin Jajur, Jason Muse, Rosario Dawson, Kevin Smith, and a bunch of other actors. How much this movie cost, Don? Uh, this movie cost uh, around $5 million to make, and it's still in the theater, so time will tell, you know, how well it back. does. Yeah. 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 So first impressions, did you guys like it?
3: Yeah, I I thought it was an enjoyable watch. I was uh, feeling a little melancholy for Clerks 2 that I didn't watch Clerks 2 beforehand. But I thought that it did a nice job of picking up the pieces where we left off, if you will, even though there's quite a time gap with where we were at the end of Clerks 2.
1: Sure, absolutely.
2: Initially, I had some issues, I think, with the movie in that... I was expecting it to be very similar to Clerks 2 in that, you know, we went from Clerks 1, which was kind of, you know, a little bit of a comedy, but kind of a, st- a telling of Kevin Smith's own life. We get into Clerks 2 with the comedy, we get into Clerks 3, and it had a little bit of a darker nature to it, you know, starting off with the heart attack and everything else, and which really hit home because, you know, with Randall having a Widowmaker, and you know, and I had my Widowmaker a little over a year and a half ago, I, you know, I started to kind of connect to it and started to kind of feel things again. Uh but then I realized this movie isn't about giving us what we expect or what we want to see, but it was more about Kevin Smith expressing what he was feeling and giving, you know, almost for himself, giving us that closing to the clerks series.
1: Well, yes, and it it definitely is a, a film for Kevin Smith, but I do believe that throughout the film he does give us what we want he does give us what we want to see he gives us those cameos back he gives us those oh, yeah. references and things like that but you're right it definitely is a different feel from clerks too mm-hmm. um i think uh, kevin uh, said it best last night uh you know clerks one was part of his life and he writes from what he knows and clerks two was dante and randall's fan fiction which was a lot of fun and it's a fantastic movie, but three kind of comes back around and goes full circle. And now we, this is more of Kevin Smith's life and, and what he's gone through. So mm-hmm. um, a different vibe, a different feel, but equally as good as clerks too. Um, you know, I find that uh, when Kevin Smith are, are doing these sequels, either it's Jay and silent Bob or, or clerks or maybe one day mall rats, uh, I think they just keep getting better. So um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed Clerks 3 for sure.
3: I think it comes down to just uh, as we get to know Kevin Smith more because Clerks
1: 2 wasn't
3: necessarily as much about Kevin Smith per se, but I feel like that that this Clerks 3 is very much a testimonial as to where Kevin Smith feels like he is in his life and that he has grown and that life is viewed differently than when he was in Clerks.
1: Oh, I agree, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, You can see the growth, you know, from, what did he say? He was 21 when he made Clerks, 23 when it got released, and now he's, what, 52? And Mm -hmm. he has what, 15 movies in the can? Mm -hmm. So you can definitely see uh, some good of those movies and some not so good, but he keeps growing and he keeps telling the stories. And I, for one would go listen to Kevin Smith anytime, anywhere, any place. So
2: one of the great things about him and kind of what we've been saying is that he really connects with the audience because he puts himself into the movie. You can really feel that connection with him because especially with clerks, you know, the original clerks and this one, it's, it's, you know, he's in the movie. I mean, it, it's his life. It's his, what he's going through, and it connects with us because we're going through similar
3: things.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, good signs of a good storyteller, mm-hmm. you know, so.
3: Well, that and we're older, too, right? You get somebody like our kids going and watching the movie, they're, they're going to think, that movie's kind of a downer.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, however, if you raised your kids right... They have an appreciation for Kevin Smith, and they're on board with it just as much as you are. Because if not, they're getting the back of the hand. That's right. Keenan. you listening? Uh, my man loves Kevin Smith. And you know what? I'm going to take credit for that because I am.
3: <laughs> because your other son wouldn't necessarily? Is that
1: what you're inferring? Well, yeah. I mean. One out of two? Well, for right now, I, I still have yet to introduce Kevin Smith to Elise. Uh, but she's like a movie sponge right she loves she everything is. you know um, which we're still we're, we're still working on the horror so I will definitely introduce you know she's got Tarantino Scorsese uh, Kevin Smith I mean she's she's got a whole uh, which one future would, ahead of her
2: which one of the Kevin Smith movies would you start her off on
1: um that's a really good question I probably would start her off on Maybe mall rats. I really?
2: Actually, I was thinking maybe he might do that.
1: Maybe. Clerks. Yeah. Well, there's that too. I mean, it, it's a toss-up. Really, it
2: takes a lot, I think, to start someone off on a black and white film.
1: That, well, yes and no. Uh, black and white. I I don't think it takes you out or puts you into a film. Uh, the 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 choice he made to make it in black and white, uh, and it is his first one. You almost have to start with clerks. You know, now as I'm talking about this out loud, I would probably start her on Clerks first and then to Mallrats because mm-hmm. Clerks mm-hmm. is Kevin Smith raw. It's his independent mm-hmm. movie. It's it's his vision. It's what he wanted. Mallrats was more of a studio picture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that changes things a little bit. And we talked about that at nauseum on the Mallrats uh, podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, scroll down in your feed and check it out. Do TJ and Katie like Kevin Smith at all? You know, uh,
3: Katie, I am confident she knows nothing about Kevin Smith. TJ, I am certain that he knows something about Kevin Smith. Where he has dabbed his toe into the pool, I don't know. Nah. But I am certain that he has Kevin Smith.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, he's a filmmaker,
3: right? Yeah, and he loves talking about movies. There you go.
2: Well, the funny thing is I was talking with Julie last night and, and again today about going and seeing Kevin Smith. She's like, I really don't even know who Kevin Smith is. And so I started naming off movies, and I mentioned Dogma. And She goes, "He did Dogma." I'm like, "Yeah, he 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 wrote, directed, and was in Dogma."
1: Oh, I like that movie. Wait a minute, hang on. Did he just say that Julie liked a movie
3: that I I I don't know
1: if I really buy that. Yeah, you're gonna have to make sure she knows what Dogma is, because uh, yeah. Well, well, well the jury's still out on that one. How about that? How about that? <laughs>
2: Fair point. One again, one of the things I appreciate about this movie is when the original clerk came out. Uh, Dante and Randall were twenty-two years old, so that was around our same age. Now they're turning fifty in this movie, again around our same age. Obviously, because they aged with us. So again, it's just yet another reason that just you connect to this film. I think, especially for our age group.
1: Yeah, and and certainly if you are fans of them, you know. Uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna wanna go along for the ride. But I know plenty of people that don't like Kevin Smith and don't like his style of humor. And so they could probably care less about this one.
3: Yeah, I've encountered a fair amount, a fair amount of cringy nose yeah. from people.
1: But you 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 do bring up a good point, John. We grew up with these characters as well. This is this is well, <clears throat> this is your guys's age frame. But uh, yeah, it, it, it makes it 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 makes it nostalgic mm-hmm. and it makes it fun. Because they're like, like Kevin Smith said, you know, you're uh, reuniting with friends that you haven't seen in a long time. And this is a great example of that. Did either of you have a favorite cameo in this movie? Oh, um, I did like Ethan Supley. Uh, when, Lord, when's it going to be my time? His right. audition. Yep. And then... Uh, Ben Affleck's was always fun because he does the Jane Silent Bob. Yeah. Lion face. Argh, lemon face. Ooh. Right?
2: Yeah. I was going to go with uh, Ethan as well.
1: Yeah. All good stuff. Professor. Amy Sedaris. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic.
3: Having, you know, having Jay talking about the Mandalorian. Uh, Randall. Randall
1: was talking about the Mandalorian. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Randall talking about the Mandalorian with the whole simple
1: fact that she's in the episodes love it <laughs> this is the way <laughs> she's like what's that from <laughs> yeah good bits good bits justin long was fun mm-hmm. uh the way he was talking and just being that male nurse i mean it, it was kind of comical you know i mean you had uh fred Armisen, sarah michelle Geller, freddie prince jr melissa benoist anthony michael hall danny trejo some other people i don't know and then you know you had your reoccurring uh view askew, cameos as well scott Mosier, ethan supley affleck um so yeah we the also cameos had, were a lot of fun
2: we pretty much had the entire cast of the comic book guys throughout the whole movie
1: right yeah yeah obviously yeah obviously they were in it they were also on the roof uh playing hockey mm-hmm. wearing the reaper jerseys yeah because you could tell because they had the big uh that one dude has the big bushy beard mm-hmm. yeah uh all the cast is back you know i I guess I assumed after I saw the previews that Rosario Dawson would have a bigger role. Um, I was kind of surprised with the direction they went with that. Did that mm-hmm. shock you at all? Uh,
2: when I first heard about it,
1: yes. Oh, you didn't you didn't read it, you didn't hear about it last night for the first time?
2: No, sadly, it got spoiled when I read an article about the movie. I didn't realize there would be spoilers. They didn't warn me ahead of time, so I did hear that that was one of the saddest parts of the movie. Was that unfortunately, again, with our spoilers, uh, Rosario Dawson apparently dies right after Clerks 2. Like, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's- Why do you do that to yourself?
2: I didn't even mean to do it. I just wanted wait, to re- Wait, wait, wait. I didn't,
1: the- I didn't mean to do it. So, you didn't mean to put your eyes on the screen? I was trying You didn't to- mean to read the words out loud because you can't read in your head?
2: I like to research before shows, so I was trying to research because I knew we'd be reviewing it, and it was an article about the direction that Kevin Smith wanted to go with the movie. Did you know that you were going to see the movie? There was nothing in it that said spoilers. Did ahead. you kn- did
1: answer the professor's question? Did you know you were going to see the movie? Yeah, but I didn't realize it would
2: spoil it. I thought it would just give us some background on, on his direction.
1: You know what I did?
3: I didn't watch any previews. Yeah. Because I knew I was gonna see it.
1: All yeah. right. So so let me ask you this, Professor. Did Rosario Dawson's death surprise you?
3: Uh yeah. It was it was a stark uh, slap in the face right at the beginning of the movie when we look at the cash register and
1: I'm like wait, what? Yeah, it's like did I see that right? Yeah. Yeah. So th- that was a good. 2006, place. Holy shit, no way. Yeah. Yeah, it was a slap in the face.
3: Yeah, and I had yeah.
2: completely forgotten in Clerks 2 that she was pregnant.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah uh <laughs> randall lets the cat out of the bag and dante tries to hit him remember he hmm. he
3: kisses her and then he says i love you and then she says i'm pregnant and then he drops her
1: uh the during the abc dance yes yes absolutely clerks too clerks too i watched that last night after i got home <laughs> wait a minute you were up till like two o'clock in the morning then i was
3: not up till two o'clock in the morning And the the, uh, ABC song does not take an hour and a half to play. It takes about three minutes to play.
1: Oh, you watched that scene? Five minutes. I'm sorry. I thought you meant you watched the entire movie. I wanted to watch the entire
3: movie. I'm ready
1: to watch the entire movie. Well, you should watch the entire movie. Yes. When you get a minute. Fifteen years after Dante and Randall bought the Quick Stop, the pair's lives continued as much before, including hockey games on the roof and hanging out with Jay and Silent Bob who have taken over the former RST video and turned it into a legal marijuana dispensary. Dante is still grieving over the deaths of Becky and their unborn daughter Grace after they were hit by a drunk driver years prior, and sees Becky's spirit appearing to him who encourages him to move on. One day, while Elias and his friend Blockchain are trying to sell their new NFT kites, which contain an image of the buddy Christ, Randall suffers a severe heart attack. After the surgery, Randall's doctor urges Dante to keep Randall happy while he recovers, and warns that he is also at risk of the same situation. Randall decides that he has wasted his life and needs a new purpose, declaring he will make a movie about his and Dante's lives at the quick stop. Meanwhile, Elias shuns his Christianity and decides to become a Satanist after blaming his faith for Randall's heart attack. So the movie opens up just, you know, like a Clerks movie, and Randall's coming in. Uh, The first bit that I did notice and that I did have to chuckle about is that someone put gum in the lock, and Mm -hmm. that's why they can't get the shutters open in the first movie.
2: Well, do you remember there was a brief mention, I can't remember exactly which movie it was, but that's Silent J and Bob are... Or Jay, excuse me, Jay and Silent Bob are the ones putting the gum as a joke in the lock every morning.
1: Oh, I didn't see that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, the thing that really jumped out at me and kind of made me chuckle was that because remember they rebuilt the Quick Stop in the previous movie because it had burned down, right? But that Randall built himself a little home, a little apartment in between the two building yeah
1: see that kind of fucked me up because when he comes out of it i thought he came out of the video store yeah, that's what or, i thought too, or the weed store but it turns out that jane silent bob owned the weed store because naturally they would own the weed store uh but yeah he's got this little apartment uh, right in between the quick stop and uh the dispensary you think that's how thin funny. that thing is oh yeah i mean tiny tiny mm-hmm. but randall doesn't need that much space mm-hmm. right so well when
3: you see it from the inside towards the end of the movie hey that looks uh pretty darn wide it's not okay this is plot convenience
1: here <laughs> so well uh dante is opening up the store uh, elias arrives and we i'm glad they brought elias back uh i thought he was a funny addition uh from clerks 2 uh, i liked the banter between him and randall that they'd go back and forth so he's happy to see that uh You know, Kevin Smith brought him back in and that he's uh reprising his role.
2: What'd you think about them giving him a friend in the form of blockchain?
1: I thought that was hilarious. Do you know who blockchain really is? I was trying to figure that out. Who is he? He is Harley Quinn Smith's boyfriend. He uh there was a show on during the quarantine. Um, it was like it was kind of like the 48, but it was a, a TV show and uh kevin smith was on it and some other celebrities were on it and they had to make movies short movies and each week the judges would uh judge their short movies and kevin smith had harley quinn and the boyfriend blockchain and that's where i know him from because they were all quarantined together so that's how he could get away with making movies with those people so Hmm. that is last i heard Harley Quinn Smith's boyfriend. That's why when she looks at him in the movie and he looks at her, they give each other the eyes. Oh. So there you have it. Useless knowledge by Don.
2: The fact that he didn't really say anything until the end of the movie, I was wondering if they're trying to give him a Silent Bob
1: vibe. Oh, 100%. How could they not be? Like, Well, well they like, said they were. Yeah. It's
2: like he's your Silent Bob. Yeah, because it's like the antithesis of... You know, Jay and Bob, this was the Christian or now the Satanist version of
1: Jay. And yeah, Sam well, Bob. what's the difference? Jay and Bob have always been either Christian or Satanist. They could have been either or yeah. at the same time and so uh you know life is going on and they're at the store and you have the banter between randall and dante and just the the writing from kevin smith and while this is going on uh is talking to elias and while he's talking to uh, elias he he starts having these chest pains and it turns out he's having a heart attack Mm -hmm. uh what did you guys think of this whole bit i know uh John, you said it it brought back some some memories, but um, was it tough to watch, or did you just kind of go through it and then process it afterwards?
2: You know, it's funny. Watching it from kind of my viewpoint, I was trying to think, I remember back what my symptoms were. My symptoms were actually a lot different. I didn't experience that whole unable to breathe, unable to catch my breath. Mine was just was really bad heartburn and a really bad pain in my arm. So I kept watching to see, okay, is, is his arm going to hurt? You know, is he cause i noticed he kept grabbing his chest and so i'm thinking oh he he's feeling that heartburn he's feeling that pain in his chest so just seeing him go through it and then seeing him collapse i'm thinking if i had gone to work that day i could have been in exactly that same situation i could have just passed out somewhere yeah so yeah it's, it brought back
3: a little bit of that fear back then yeah yeah for me i uh is it, the first time he grabbed his heart or he grabbed his chest and he twitched his chin it's like Okay, there is something real going on there for him, for our character there. So I, I, I took that cue right off the bat. But once he got to the hospital, the uh, lighthearted nature of it, I, uh, I, I, I was uh, struck by the, uh, the the casualness of the severity of the situation being treated um, so nonchalantly.
1: Yeah, and and that kind of took me uh, back just a little bit. It didn't. It didn't take me out of it by any stretch of the imagination. I guess, in a way, I kind of appreciated it. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, this is obviously a serious matter that's happening. And instead of worrying about dying or his last words or anything like that, he's worried about people seeing his small dick. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Well,
2: let me just share you my experience. And again, like I said to Kevin Smith last night during the Q&A, why I was like, you know, vibing with Randall. When I, you know, when I started, it's not
3: the small dick part.
2: No, it was not the small dick part. Although I will get to that in a sec.
1: Oh, great! We can't wait.
2: Uh, When I started to have my problems, I didn't believe I was having a heart attack. Kind of like Randall was saying, "It's not a heart attack. It's not a heart attack." When I got taken to the clinic, because I didn't even want to go by ambulance, I made Julie drive me to a local clinic to be checked out. Because I thought it was just really bad heartburn. It was just, you know, out of control, and so. They wheeled me in and everything and the doctors were telling me, you're having a heart attack. And I was like, no, no, this is not a heart attack. This checking machines again is not a heart. Attack. And it was very casual, just like that. So everything that he was going through, I felt the same way. So I didn't get pulled out of the vibe of that movie or that instance at all. Because it was very realistic to me, even to the point where he was put into the room and the person came in with the clippers. Um, At that point for me, I had a room full of doctors and nurses, and they're basically telling me the same thing. We're pulling down your pants and we're going to shave you. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. I have a small dick. And I'm thinking a little bit of privacy, please. Can 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 we clear that? No, everyone's got a job to do. And this one young nurse had the clippers and she was ready to go. Uh, Randall in the movie is awake during the procedure. The doctor told me, we're going to give you something that's going to make you feel tired. Uh, You might want to close your eyes a few times, but you'll probably stay away. That's the last words I heard. I was out until the surgery was over.
1: Oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, No matter what procedure you're doing on me, colonoscopy, appendectomy, or even a fucking teeth cleaning. Knock my ass out. Yeah. 100%. Oh, I was out like a light. Knock me out. The few times I've had uh, anesthesia. Okay,
3: count backwards from 100. I don't get past ninety eight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
3: So the the cavalier nature of of all of the people around Randall, and just being so nonchalant about it, it uh, it, it it hit a, a somber note for me when the doctor is talking uh, after the fact to Dante, and she's talking about you know you're on the same. If you're on the same diet as him, you know, you are every bit as much at risk. And I thought, dun, dun, dun. Well, shut
1: your fucking mouth. I I felt like that that
2: was something. (laughs) Foreshadowing.
1: (laughs) Foreshadowing. So, yeah, they save his life, and Amy Sedaris' doctor was a pleasant surprise and and kept the levity there, and, and, you know, when she had to be serious, she was serious, like when she was talking to Dante and this, that, and the other. And then as um, Randall is recuperating, he has this idea, and I think that any movie about a person making a movie uh, always has a special place in my heart right just as uh just being a filmmaker I, I like to see you know how other people do it whether it be you know real or not randall writes this script and essentially it's just clerks right mm-hmm. and you know they're they're talking about well, how do you make a movie how do you do this how do you do that so in the meantime you have elias who's done a 180 and he is now a satanist um they decide to help randall make his movie as well and i think the bit that i liked the best was when they said uh who's going to be your dp and then they had this whole conversation about dps and um every time randall would say i'm going to make a movie someone would say a porno movie
3: (laughs) yeah why does everybody go there
1: (laughs) because kevin smith made a movie called zach and miri make a porno Mm -hmm. and i thought that was clever little uh Clever little call-outs there. Um, But they're they're arguing about who should be the director of photography. That's what the DP is. And someone says, well, what about the cinematographer? And they're like, well, that's the same thing. And it turns out, none other than Silent Bob, right? I mean, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely perfect.
2: One thing that I loved about this movie, and it actually made me think about you, Don, is a lot of times, Don, when you're getting your equipment ready to make a movie or do another one of those 48-hour projects... Sometimes you just go and build something out in the garage or build something in your workshop. I love... Did you notice that
1: the microphone was on a hockey stick? They were all hockey sticks. Absolutely, I did. And one of the legs of the tripod... Was a hockey stick? Was it? I so I mean, that. that's that's very much Kevin Smith, right? Yeah. The whole hockey thing.
2: But it just made me think of you because you would build something like that, or you would do something like that without having to go out and buy specialized equipment.
1: That's funny because Dan and I have made some uh, camera rigs over the years that <laughs> pretty funny. And <laughs> we're going to digress for a second. Uh, in years past, we would make all this equipment for the 48, and we would use none of it.
3: That's it. I thought we were going to get like a Kevin Smith story where it takes five minutes to bring it back home.
1: I feel like there is some snarkiness in that remark there, Professor. And because you're tired, I'm going to let it go. You son of a bitch. After a harrowing audition process, Randall decides he will not only write and direct, but also will star in the film as himself alongside Dante in a supporting role rather than cast actors they decide to cast their friends and actual customers to play themselves this includes jay silent bob and veronica who agrees after a sexual encounter with dante dante takes on the producer role and convinces his ex-fiance emma to loan the production thirty thousand dollars with dante's half of the quick stop as collateral silent bob is made the cinematographer decides to shoot the movie in black and white while Elias and Blockchain are hired as production assistants. As the shoot for the tentatively titled Inconvenience continues, Dante grows exasperated with Randall's micromanaging and perceived disregard toward him in the script. After Randall tries to recreate the donkey show that took place at Mubi's, Dante has a panic attack and leaves the set due to the location reminding him of Becky. Later... A drunk Dante finally confronts Randall for never respecting him or acknowledging his support over the years and for forcing him to relive the worst moments of his life. Suddenly, Dante collapses and suffers a heart attack as well. While Randall decides to leave Dante at the hospital to continue to work on the movie, Elias lambastes him for his attitude and reveals Dante's deal with Emma. So one of the
2: scenes that I appreciated in this movie was when Randall first asked Dante to be the producer and to go out and get the money and all that. And Dante flat out says no, goes off and goes to the graveyard. And that whole Rosario Dawson uh, interaction, I really liked that scene. I I, kind of liked their interaction and the words that she says to him.
1: Yeah. And... The the conversation that they have is kind of light and playful, but yet at the heart of it, you know Dante's still really torn up over it. And who's to say that Dante's not imagining this whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So that whole conversation could be manifested of what Dante's uh, what Dante's thinking or what he still feels. Uh, I like to think, and this is just me, I maybe, but I like to think that she was there in spirit mm-hmm. form and that they were having this conversation, and it does help him you know, try to get some closure. It doesn't. I mean, I think it just makes him feel worse, and he goes off and gets hammered. But, well, he um, doesn't
2: get hammered at this point. This point is where she kind of talks him into taking on the producer role. Right. Oh, that's right. But that's right. what I like to think of her as a force ghost, because, you know, we always have these Star Wars insertions into these movies. I think she has revisited him, because they talk about it's maybe it's a dream that she has revisited him as a force ghost.
3: Sure, I'll buy that. Well, she's kind of a Jedi. Yeah. She didn't become a full fledged Jedi, but she's kind of a Jedi. She's one with the Force.
1: And the Force is one with her. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See what we did there, Kev? That was for you, buddy.
2: But uh, the fact that she kind of gives them that whole thing about, you know, live your life and dream bigger and all that, just, it was a great message to send out. And it it also kind of threw you for a curve, you know, when we get back to how the movie ends, you know, with the fact that Dante has a heart attack and all that, that you almost thought, Maybe he's going to get back with that first girlfriend. Maybe they're going to have a life together. Maybe there's going to be more to this movie for Dante. Maybe.
1: And it's at this point... Veronica? Where
2: th- yeah. I, th- I thought that interaction in the the Jeep or whatever it was that they were in, the Bronco, uh,
1: was going to lead to something more. Oh, I didn't. I thought it was just uh, reliving old times. That's that's how I took it, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, you know, because 37. Um. So Dante takes on the producer role. They start to start filming the movie and they start filming the movie kind of exactly how Kevin Smith filmed Clerks. You know, they'd help a customer, film a scene, help a customer, film a scene, uh, so on and so forth. And it's at this bit that I thought that, you know, Silent Bob always has at least one line, typically in the Kevin Smith movies. And I think that his line in this one uh, might be one of my favorites uh, because it's all about how he wants to shoot it in black and white because the color in there sucks. And if the color sucks, you just have to film in black and white. And was he say any filmmaker worth his weight in gold knows this?
2: One of the other things that it kind of also answered a question for me, and I love that Kevin Smith went you know went out and purposely was trying to answer questions in this movie. Was it also was symbolic of seeing a convenience store through a security camera that's another reason why he chose black and white yeah and so I thought that was just clever I never that never connected in my head when I watched the first time
1: oh yeah yeah because you are watching their lives we are mm-hmm. the voyeur you know mm-hmm. of, of of what's going on um you know and Kevin Smith is famous for his dialogue and I thought the dialogue in this and the writing had a lot of heart and you know I, I still find that randall and dante they were they were still having the same problems with each other that they were having in the first and second one you know what i mean but i guess that maybe is just a testament to their friendship and you know clearly they were made for each other i guess but um i I thought the dialogue was just as well written in this than anything else that kevin has done
2: well let me ask you both this question as the movie is progressing and as Randall's making his movie and as he's kind of, you know, you're seeing him kind of treat Dante like crap, like he typically does, and you're seeing Dante kind of in the background looking like he's you know, a hurt puppy and all that. In the previous movie, especially in Clerks 2, all of Randall's banter, I kind of cheered for ban- for Randall because I, I appreciated the conversations he had. I appreciated the take he had. And he was funny. He, he made me laugh. In this movie, I found... He was like the villain of the story. I was really, as the movie progressed, I was uh, liking him less and less, and feeling bad for Dante more and more throughout the movie. Did you kind of have the same take or a different take?
1: Um, I thought that Randall was being Randall, and he, we've already seen two movies of uh, you know Randall treating Dante like shit, so I thought it was just par for the course. If anything, I thought that Dante was being too much of a crybaby. And a little bit whiny, but it, it certainly didn't take me out. But I, I, I felt that their the relationship hadn't changed that much.
3: Yeah, I, I thought that the characters were pretty much where they had been, but uh, I I do definitely feel that the this movie is more somber. The uh, the Becky bits that we get with rosario dawson she is a ray of sunshine to the gloominess that has settled upon dante and dante definitely has this undercurrent of sorrow that is i think prevalent throughout the story arc of the entire movie and randall is just busy being randall and because dante is not up for it i think that's why it it pushes him down further and harder in the story because randall's just being randall and dante doesn't have the strength the endurance for that right now in the story
1: yeah so they are making this film and uh randall decides you know what let's not get actors let's just get people that we know and uh they bring back veronica what a slough (laughs) you know what i mean and uh it's funny because she walks in and immediately she hates the script And she gets all pissed off at Randall. So bitchy. And just, I mean, she just like the first one. Well, I love the
2: fact that she's so pissed off about the script because it's telling the truth of everything that she's ever done. Right,
1: right. And so uh, she storms out of the quick stop, and Randall is still oblivious. Randall is oblivious to any time he offends somebody or, you know, crosses the line. He just never sees it. Right. I mean, you think back to Clerks, too, with all the racial stuff, you know. Jesus Christ, Randall! Um, so he offends Veronica. Veronica storms out, and then Dante goes to console her, and they start to reminisce, and then they hook up. You and... want to? F- fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Dante's like, oh, "Yeah."
3: I mean, I just like the fact. What, what is
1: what? I mean, there is no. I mean, the wrong answer to that question would be no, I suppose. And so, Randall needs more money. You know, and he, this is where uh, Emma gets reintroduced and she was the gal that uh, Dante was supposed to marry in the second one. And, uh, you know, Dante has to swallow his pride. And he, even though he bitches about Randall and he complains and this, that, and the other, he really does care about this, his friend. I mean, it's his best friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Randall's been making quips at him all movie long about, you know, you're Dak, you're not Luke. You're, you know, a secondary character kind of putting him down. But what does Dante do? I mean, he puts up his half of the quick stop to get uh, Randall 30 grand for mm-hmm. his for his movie.
2: And I mean, at this point, does it even have confidence in the fact that Randall's going to make any money back? Exactly. Well, he doesn't even have any confidence he's going to get the movie made, let yeah. alone money back. Right. And,
3: uh, he's not taking no for an answer. He just keeps pressing her.
2: Yeah, Did yeah. you see it going this route of this is where Dante was going to get the money?
1: Uh, yeah, more or less, because they had already introduced Emma's character from the first one being well off. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dante was going to get a car wash.
3: Hey, whatever. just so quickly, can you tell our, car- our, our listening audience, just in case they don't know who Emma is?
1: Emma is a character from Clerks 2. The actress? She was an actress that was in Clerks 2. It's Jen Schaubach. How do you pronounce it? Jan Schaubach Smith. Schaubach Smith. Yeah, it's Kevin Smith's wife.
2: You know, in Clerks 2, ex-fiance, all that, Rich has money. I thought when they introduced the whole idea of Jay bringing back the late videotape and them working it out to be, okay, well, let's see, it's about $10,000 in late fees and 50 cents for the Do Not Rewind, that that was going to be a point, a kind of a joke of where some of the money came from.
1: Yeah, I could see that. However... I'm glad he didn't do that because Jay and Silent Bob were the money relief from the second film. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he he didn't go back to that well. He kind of teased it. It was more of a joke, okay. right? Of the of the videotape being uh, late. Uh, but you're right. I that could have easily been. It could have easily gone that way uh, for the money solution.
3: I just took it that now they didn't have to pay him.
1: Right. So the script is coming along, and they keep shooting. And, you know, there are instances in this film that, I mean, obviously they're taking it right out of Clerks, right? I mean, shot Mm -hmm. for shot. And the bit where uh, Jay has to dance in front of the camera, but he's all shy. (laughs) shit. For everything that we've seen about Jason Mewes and just the uh, character of Jay, right? Shy is not a word that would be in my vocabulary uh, when talking about this. So I thought it was kind of cute that, you know, he could couldn't do it. And um, they, they made fun of that, and it was a good scene. One I like of the things
2: I, I enjoyed is the scene that they brought in the guy that was supposed to shoot and kill Dante. Uh, that was the guy who was originally hired for Clerks when they had the original ending of Dante getting shot. He was the actual one that they were going to film
1: killing Dante. Yeah, all of the uh, customers that came back were from the original Yeah, course. but he got cut from the first movie. No, I, I get that, but they were all the original. Mm-hmm. It, and
2: it makes sense because it's full circle, right? What'd you think of the finally kind of clearing up a little bit about the Asian art student, or the Asian art design student, or was it,
1: Asian design? Oh my God, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, from the first one. Because yeah. that's who, uh, is that, was it Caitlin? That's the one Caitlin was supposed to marry, mm-hmm. and Dante's all freaked out about it. I love when he calls the newspaper, you know. Are you sure you didn't print that wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, clerks, we should probably talk about that sometime. Mm -hmm. They keep making the movie, and now they get to the part where they have the donkey show from the second one. And I, I thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, Dante has to go back to movies, and that's kind of where... It all went down for him. And they do a quick little flashback and, and kind of give us context to it and, and let us know how upset Dante really is and how much he hasn't gotten over this, right? And, and people handle grief in their own way, and clearly he hasn't been handling it. And so it, he has a panic attack, and he freaks out, and he takes off, and he this is where he gets hammered. Mm-hmm. And then when he makes it back to Randall, this is where they get into it. You know, this is very reminiscent of the first from the fight from the first one and then everything that goes down in the jail cell in the second one. But this one feels a little different because, you know, this could be The Last Clerks and we could be dealing with some life or death situations. And as it turns out, fucking Dante has a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And... There are moments in this film, and, and Kevin Smith does such a great job with uh, uh, pulling emotions out of me, you know what I mean? Um, there are moments in this film that I was just fucking bawling like a baby. A lot of the Rosario Dawson bits, and and now it was kind of this one, right? Because Randall had the heart attack and survived. Dante had a heart attack, he's not going to survive. And so I knew as soon as, you know, they say he had a heart attack, I went, oh, fuck, they're going to kill off Dante.
2: One thing that I uh, really appreciate about this movie, too, is that Kevin Smith went into it with certain messages he wanted to get across to the audience. And one of those messages was, don't leave things unresolved. If you need to say something, say it now. Don't wait till later. And that's what he said when we're doing the Q&A. He said that's what, what really what this scene was about, was Dante said his whole piece. Randall said his whole piece. They broke up their friendship, this never gets resolved in the movie. Yeah. Because later on, it's a one-way discussion where Randall gets to say his piece and Dante is incubated and and unable to speak. So he doesn't get any response from Dante.
1: So after... uh Dante goes to the hospital. Randall decides to go work on his movie, and this is where Elias kind of has a problem with Randall. He grows a backbone. Yeah, he he says, uh, you know, that's your best friend in there, and you're going to go home and work on a movie? You know, where are your priorities at? And, um, you know, he does, but this is also when Randall kind of realizes what's going on.
2: Mm. Especially when Elias points out to him that, He put up half of his, you know, owning of the quick stop to make your movie and you're just going to ditch him. You've been treating him like crap and now you're just going to go ditch
1: him. Yeah. He lets him know that Emma was responsible and Emma and Randall don't get along. So, I mean, it was a lot for Dante to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Consumed by guilt, Randall finishes editing the movie and sneaks back into the hospital with Jay and Silent Bob's help. He shows Dante the finished film, which he has re-edited so that Dante is the main character. Declaring that the story was always about him, Dante watches the film with the spirit of Becky, touched by his friend's effort, before he peacefully dies. Sometime later, after Dante's funeral, Emma arrives at the quick stop to take over the store or to collect the 30 grand she loaned Dante. Blockchain arrives and excitedly reveals that the NFT kite sold out immediately, making him and Elias millionaires. Elias, who has joined Randall as co-owner of the store in Dante's place, uses his share of the earnings to pay back Emma. After Elias, Blockchain, Jay, and Silent Bob go outside to fly one of the NFT kites, Randall somberly grieves for Dante at the cash register, unknowingly joined by Dante as a force ghost. Meanwhile, Jay's daughter Millie inspects the expiration dates on some oat milk. During the credits... Kevin Smith thanks the audience members for seeing the movie before reading some narration he cut from the final scene, where it is revealed that Randall continued to make movies until the age of 90, all while still working at the Quick Stop. Roll credits. All right, so we are into the third act of this film. What did you guys think?
3: I totally expected for it to go the way that it did, because... Dante had spent so much time being so somber and having uh, Becky continually visit him that his time in the hospital is going to be completely different from what Randall had. And that was how it was meant to be set up, that this shit is serious and it's not going to end the way that we want it to end. And I could tell as soon as we saw the movie starting and it was the original Clerks movie that... This is going to be how it closes right here. I didn't think we were going to get anything past it, but I thought that this is where it was going to close and and he was going to pass. And as soon as Becky shows up, it's like, all right. So she's there to take him away and they get to have their happy little
1: uh, ending. I think that one of the most beautiful settings in a movie is when someone dies and someone from their past who has already passed is there to greet them. I think that is such a beautiful thought and who knows if that really happens or not, but I, I like to think that it does. And when Becky is sitting there and they're in a movie theater by themselves and watching, you know, the original clerks, it, it, it's just, it, it's a good moment. And it, and it, it's really, it, it's a tearjerker fucking for sure. You know, and then all the while, Randall is showing Dante the movie. And Dante's still kind of relatively alive. He's blinking, and but he's intubated, like you said. And he can't say what he wants to say. And maybe he can say it with his eyes. but
2: Well, he also puts his hand, I think. Doesn't he put his hand over Randall's arm or something? I, I think so. I think and they,
1: that, I love those nonverbal cues like that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was almost like Becky was telling... Uh, Dante it's okay it's time you know and so uh, Dante passes away and it's heartbreaking but it was handled with such tenderness yeah I mean it was a beautiful moment it really was I
2: really appreciated kind of at the point you know where Dante's watching the movie and then he gets up and he says aren't you gonna watch till the end and he's like I don't need to see the end I know how it ends I trust the director
1: yeah Yeah, and then they walk off into the light or wherever. Yeah, it it was a good moment. And I think, logically, this is how it had to end. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's pretty safe to say that this is the final clerks. And then also, during the funeral, right, uh, Kevin Smith plays a uh, Pearl Jam song called Just Breathe. And I've always, uh, I love that fucking song, right? It's one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. And that's one of the songs that I want played at my funeral. You know what I mean. So to hear it in that setting and just the whole scene and the way it was all uh, brought together, yeah, it just brought me to tears.
2: The thing that kind of got me and you know made me tear up was the twist at the ending of taking Dante's line from the original Clerks of "I'm not supposed to be here" and having to that be Randall's eulogy to Dante. You're not even supposed to be here, and
1: he and his voice breaks while yeah. he's doing oh. The fuck? You're going to make Professor cry. Knock it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's good fucking storytelling, mm-hmm. right? And Kevin Smith's a master of it.
2: Yeah, it was just so. a full circle, you know, a 360.
1: So, yeah, after the funeral, uh, okay. Emma arrives. And, you know, you think it's dire and she wants her 30 grand. and She's going to take over the quick stop. But naturally, you had to have this joke come back and pay off. Uh, I- Elias and blockchain becoming millionaires. Come on.
2: I honestly, and I think we kind of joked about it uh, last night, maybe I was just being dumb, but for some reason, with such the hostility between Randall and Emma, I thought somehow with her now being part owner, they were going to end up being together, and that it was just going to be one of those odd couple kind of
1: Oh, I never thought endings. about it that way. Yeah, I never took it that way. That, that would have been interesting. That would have been
2: interesting. And that, because, you know, Don or Randall always comments, he never got the girl in any of the movies. Yeah. And so maybe this is how his story ends. He gets the girl. Why would she want a little piece
3: of shit Quickie Mart?
2: I don't know. Just the fact that he challenges her. It wasn't that she wanted the Quickie Mart. It's that secretly, maybe she was into him. Just the fact that they fight so much. Sometimes there's that sexual tension. Maybe. I guess. I didn't take it like that. So, Kevin,
1: rewrite your movie and please re-release it. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Uh, Kevin... Whatever you do, do not listen to this guy. Trust me. So yeah, and they uh, Elias and Blockhead pay off Dante's blockchain, loan. Blockchain, Blockhead, Blockhead, Blockchain, Puller Pond. I don't fucking care. They pay off Dante's loan, and uh, now we cut ca- the camera kind of pulls back, and we're we're getting our goodbye shot, and you see uh, Dante's Force Ghost hanging out with Randall as the way it should be, and then. Uh, Harley Quinn Smith is doing the whole milkmaid bit mm-hmm. and it says that she is playing Jay's daughter, Millie from the Jane silent Bob reboot. I never put that together. I never did the math on that one. I thought she was just being the milkmaid. That's but just someone on
2: Wikipedia claiming that, that that's who she was. But Kevin Smith has always recast different people like the same actors in different roles. She could have been playing a different role.
1: Well, I thought she was just playing Kevin Smith's daughter.
2: I mean, how many roles has Ben Affleck played in this skew universe?
1: He's Ben Affleck in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. He's holding in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, Shannon Hamilton, Bartleby, uh, and then whoever he plays in uh, Jersey Girl, which I still say one of Kevin Smith's most underrated movies. I fucking love Jersey Girl. So good. So good.
2: And you're not just saying that because he gave you a hug last night.
1: No, I, I said that when we recorded Rat's Dogma, and Clerks 2.
2: Okay.
1: And if you don't believe me, go back and listen. They're at the bottom of your feed. So yeah, that is Clerks 3. Was there a scene that really stood out for you guys?
2: Again, I got to go back to the graveyard scene with Becky, the first time that he's in the graveyard with her, and just seeing her back again and seeing her so happy, that was the one that really moved me in this movie. Sure.
3: That was one of my favorite scenes as well because, like as I said before, she's a ray of sunshine and she's she's picking Dante up and she's just so hopeful for him. It just made me feel good inside seeing her.
1: Yeah, uh, great scenes with her. Uh, outside of that scene, I think my one of my favorite scenes is uh, when Silent Bob is uh, explaining why we're going to black and white and why he's the cinematographer, and it's just it's so meta. Uh, you know,
2: did you guys have besides that scene where uh, Silent Bob talks? do you guys have a favorite Silent or Jay and Silent Bob scene in this
1: movie? Uh, I fuck. I always like when they're on screen. I like when they were in the uh, uh video store. Uh, I like <laughs> I like the fact that they played up Lee. Uh, weed is legal in Jersey, and you could go into the store and buy it. But when the dude came to buy a couple of joints, they did it all sneaky-like. And, uh, <laughs> and Jay, Jay, we, Jay ends it with, and that's how we did it in the 90s, son.
2: That's the exact scene I was
3: going to say. No, that
1: was that my was favorite
2: good. scene.
3: Yeah, that was that was good yeah, stuff. I, 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 I dug that scene a lot as well. And I
1: love the fucking reaction of the guy. He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. yeah that's So good.
2: That and classic uh, Jay and Silent Bob, when they made that giant joint, and it's like... Needs more weed. Yeah, it needs more weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that and I, I gotta go. I'm throwing out a third one. Uh, when they realize that they're in a video store, that they're selling the pot, and that now they're figuring out why all the video could you know cassette tape where they hold the weed in, they actually used to have videos in them. Yeah. They didn't realize they were in a video store. Yeah. So did you guys have a uh, favorite
3: Elias outfit?
1: uh elias uh i really enjoyed all of them but i think the one where uh the one where he gets mad at randall i mean his he looks very like he he looks a lot like the crow yes uh i thought that would probably i think that's my favorite that with
3: a top hat yeah yeah I yeah. think that was my favorite one yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I have to concur. So the award goes to that one. Because yeah. he, he continually got more elaborate each time he showed up on screen.
1: But his demeanor and the way he would drop his lines were just is so natural, right? I mean, yeah, it's distracting looking at him, but... I, I thought that that was an interesting choice uh, for them to take Elias, and I'm glad that they did. I, I thought it was funny. I mean, it's not as funny as when uh, Randall is making fun of the Transformers and Clerks too, but it's funny. So
2: I really liked how you know the side character blockchain changed with him with every outfit. Oh, he was his little
1: mini me. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you knew that mm-hmm.
2: was coming the whole time, mm-hmm. the whole time. So do we know what's on board, what's up next for Kevin Smith?
1: Well, I don't want to say that we had insider information, but we had insider information, and this comes directly from Kevin Smith's mouth. The next movie uh, he has coming out is called The 430 Movie.
2: Yeah, I guess in his hometown he said that he bought the theater that he used to go and see movies in, and he said well, this is going to be the perfect setting for a future movie, which he says is going to be called the 430 movie.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's fucking brilliant. It's Mm -hmm. so simple. you know. It's clerks, but in a movie theater with Mm -hmm. a new generation. And uh, speaking of that movie theater, that was the one that he said that his dad took him to. Mm -hmm. And he talked about his experience uh, seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark for the very first time. And it was such a moving story. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And again, I mean, I could listen to Kevin Smith all night. After the 430 movie, he wants to make Moose Jaws. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that sounds like exactly what it's going to be. Jaws, but with a moose.
2: Yeah, he says that this is a movie that he's talked about with fans for years and has always wanted to make, and he just wants to spend a ton of money making a giant robotic rubber, I guess, moose that goes around eating people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Kevin, if you're listening, if you don't make Moose Jaws soon, I will because the Seattle Horror 48 Eight's right around the corner. Uh, next after Moose Jaws was Twilight of the Mallrats, which... Yeah, uh, got, that got a big pop from the crowd and people are ready for that shit and the story he tells is that Universal is just dragging their feet and then it'll probably revert over to Lionsgate and they might actually get to get this movie made yeah so
2: he has been trying for years to make this movie and he said that you know it's become the scripting has become a TV series has gone back to a movie at one point I think it was you know the idea was that maybe it was going to be animated they have just gone back and forth now it's back To being a possible movie. And because of how well, you know, Clerks 3 is expected to do, he's likely gonna get greenlit, but right now the argument is over money. He says that they want to give him five million dollars to make the movie, he wants to do it for seven. And as soon as they reach that point where they agree on the money amount, this movie's getting
1: made. Well, everything revolves around money. So if there is ever a hold up in Hollywood about a movie, it's money. After Twilight of the Mall Rats, he is going back to familiar territory. This one caught me by surprise. Me too. This one I was like, really? Because I wasn't too sure about the first one. Uh, We all know that he made a movie called Tusk about a guy who gets turned into a walrus, literally. He said he was on a bad road trip. He had a layover or he missed a flight or whatever, and he was stuck in uh, Atlanta and he had found out that his movie Tusk was on HBO Max. And he was like, no fucking way. So he said he got super stoned, watched it, and then texted the cast of Tusk and said, let's make Tusks. With an S. <laughs> so <laughs> look out for that one. right? Yeah. And then uh, finally, he said this may or may not be his very last movie. But uh, according to his math, this will be number 20. And, uh, the way he made it sound like it was going to be, you know, Tarantino says he's only going to do 10 and whatever. Uh, but this one is, uh, going to be called Jay and Silent Bob something. Uh, and it's going to star Logan Muse, which is Jason Muse's daughter and, um, Yeah, they're going to go on one final Jay and Silent Bob adventure.
2: Yeah, he's basically says he just has to wait to the point where Logan is old enough to be in the movie, and she will play uh, Jay's granddaughter.
1: Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Um, And I just want to say, Logan, great name. Shall we call you Logan Weapon X? So yeah, that is uh, the next five movies from Kevin Smith from his own mouth. So we look forward to seeing any one of those.
2: So... Since we just talked about, you know, our experience going and seeing Kevin Smith and the whole Q&A thing, was there, you know, a lot of people asked a lot of questions. Was there a favorite question or response? One of the things I really appreciated about Kevin Smith was that every time someone asked even just the simplest of questions, he went into great long stories and, and really painted a picture. So was there a favorite one that he painted? I like
1: the one about the music rights. Because uh, he talks about, you know, using uh, landslide for a Jersey girl. And then he talks about using Tusk. And then that all stemmed from the Pearl Jam conversation. And it was just a round and a roundabout story. But, I mean, the bottom line was, you know, to use Tusk, he had to pay $250,000. Which is fucking insane, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I thought that question in that. Those answers were
2: were good. I I love when he was talking about that, that he mentioned some of the songs he just used because they would make certain people cry. Like uh, in this movie with the Pearl Jam song, it was really targeted
3: at his wife to make her cry.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it worked. Yeah. Did you have a favorite part of last night?
3: That was mine mine as well, when he was uh, going through uh, the uh, music uh, story arc of how his movies have had these different songs in them and what it was that it took. To have those songs end up in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I would think that as a filmmaker, uh, the music rights is probably the most tricky because uh, it's one thing to have a, a brilliant score, which is original and belongs to uh, your film. But every once in a while, there's nothing wrong with a perfectly good needle drop to set the mood and get you where you need to be with this movie. So, you know, that, that's one of my favorite parts of movies is the music.
2: For me, it was when the person asked the question of, we know some of your heroes. Can you tell us some of your other heroes? And he started listing off people that really had an influence on him, like George Carlin. And he told some great stories about Carrie Fisher and you know, some other people that had been in his movies. But then he brought it all the way you know, around to talking about his real hero, which was his dad. And that really kind of hit me, you know, when he was talking about, you know, I never really, you know, growing up connected well with my dad, but when we went to movies together and when he like snuck me out of school once uh, to go see Raiders lost Ark, like you brought up earlier, you know, I learned a lot about my dad just sitting there in the theater and watching the movie with him and seeing, you know, this man who I would know is this strong pillar, just bawling at certain scenes. and, That really, really hit me. And he also talked about the fact of, you know, you look at this movie, Clerks 3, and you see it a story of the life of Dante and Randall. And really what it is, is it's as we mentioned, it's a story of Kevin Smith and his father. How Kevin Smith had the heart attack and how he was able to bounce back. But then later, when everything seemed so well and was going so, you know, going good his father overnight has a heart attack and dies. And so every night when he comes and he watches this movie on this tour, he's going through the same emotions again of losing his father. And just the fact, you know, that funeral scene was really the funeral for his father. That
3: all really hit home with me. Yeah. That was heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. I was thinking the same thing as well that shit, man. He's going on this 50-city tour, and he's got to go through that 50 times. Yeah. Man, that that kind of sucks in a really
1: bittersweet way. Yeah, maybe, but, I mean, he said it himself. His joy is watching the audience. I think he knows that when he's going into it, and, yes, this probably hurts, and it brings back memories, but he, I'm sure maybe he also thinks that uh, his dad is couldn't be more proud of him, and this will. And this is what it was all about, you know, that experience, going to the movies and escaping and and being transported into another world. That's the magic of film. And he got to share it with his dad. And now he gets to share it with his dad even more um, with his dad not being here. But he made this for his dad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was pretty powerful.
3: Hence, bittersweet.
1: All right, so I think that is going to bring our epic journey of Randall and Dante to a close.
2: Did you say epic journey?
1: Oh, whoa, 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 fuck. Damn it, Don. And now it's time for John's...
3: Precious
1: moment.
2: Now, normally, this is the part of the podcast where I will compare anything we're reviewing to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. But for this podcast, I'm gonna let a special guest take the reins. Last night, while attending Clerks 3, the convenience tour, I asked Kevin Smith for his Lord of the Rings breakdown, and it went a little something like this.
0: What's your name, In that sharp, sharp quick stop jerseys, man, what's your name? My name's John. What is it? John. John, give it up for Johnny going next.
2: I'm part of a podcast and oh, shit. Uh, I'm going shameless plug three guys on yeah. a flick. Thank you for liking our tweet, or,
0: our tweet earlier. The, oh, the, yeah, I, the, you were like, we're seeing the movie and then we're going to talk about it afterwards. Exactly, we're going to I liked it because I was like, fucking say nice things. We're going to go <laughs> gonna do it. Uh, But
2: uh, as inspired by Clerks 2, we have a bit in our podcast where we talk about Lord of the Rings and we compare every movie to Lord of the Rings. So my question for you, since I know you're going to love this, uh, who would you say is your Frodo, Sam, Aragorn, and Gandalf of Clerks 3?
0: Well, that's presupposing I've seen those movies. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to help me out. Some of the names I'm familiar with, others of mine, I don't know who that is. Let's do the first one. You said, who is it? Frodo. Frodo. So Frodo is... um, uh, Elijah Wood. That's how I think of One throw Frodo, Elijah Wood went on that adventure. <laughs> the <laughs> Ring bearer. <laughs> um, who's my Elijah Wood? I, definitely Brian O'Hara. I, I would have to say.
1: The ring bearer. Uh, okay, who's the next one? Sam. Sam, hands
0: down, that would be Randall for sure. Um, don't glut <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, the, who's the next one? Aragorn. Now who's that? Mortensen. Uh, oh, Viggo Mortensen. Viggo. Thank you. Speaks thank my language. <laughs> Viggo Mortensen. Who played? And Viggo was kind of like the Han Solo of that bitch. Yeah. yeah. The king. Yeah. I don't think I have one of those in my world. <laughs> Do you have a wizard? Do you have Gandalf? Um, no, I guess I guess Affleck would be our fucking Viggo. <laughs> Like the person that everybody wants to fuck and he's a pretty good actor as well. (laughs) Uh, Okay, that's Aragorn. Who else? The wizard Gandalf. Gandalf, you didn't have to tell me that. I know who Gandalf is. Uh, Who's the wizard Gandalf? You're looking at him, motherfucker.
2: And there you have it. A comparison from Kevin
3: Smith himself. Bring on the grades. All right, bud, what do you think? Uh, Well, for
1: me... I think that has got to be the best Lord of the Rings comparison that I have ever heard. You know what? I'm going to have to concur with you, sir John. That's how you fucking do it. We've been saying this from day fucking one. It's not rocket science. Kevin Smith gets it. I don't know why you get it. That was perfect, right? A plus.
3: Absolutely, a plus. A plus.
1: <sighs> fucking
2: hate you guys.
1: And that was John's. My precious moment all right so what do you guys think you guys are ready to rate this bitch i think i'm ready to rate this bitch i'm down for that uh professor how
3: do we do our ratings we do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold it's something that you're ready to watch anytime somebody says you want to watch that movie yes i do a one fuck movie is a movie that you were interested in seeing for whatever reason but then in the end after it's all done and over with You have no desire to see any of it again. There's nothing appealing about it It's like, "Eh, no, there's nothing. I I, I got nothing. I don't want to see it ever again. And what is zero? A zero fuck movie is somebody owes me two
1: hours of my life back. Fuck you for making me watch that. And in other words, we just don't give a fuck. (laughs) Which one of you yoga hosers would like to go first? I'll go. Clerks 3, I didn't
3: think this movie was actually going to ever come to be. You know, a couple of months ago, John was bringing this up, and I was thinking, really? I, I just I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. But here it is. And I had, um, I, I had a fair amount of eagerness to see the movie because I really enjoyed Clerks 2. Clerks 2 was a very fun movie, and... It was light and fun, and Randall was just so very Randall, and Dante was just so very Dante, and so I was ready for more of that. The tone of this movie is it's a lot more grown up, which is where the story was headed at the end of 2. End of 2, Randall, he needed more than just what he was doing, and we were given that it was going to probably be enough that they go that they both go back to the quick stop. And so having the, the, the somber tone of this movie, it was a little less than what I was hoping for. And I understand why it went in this direction. It's because these characters are getting older and as they are getting older, the maturity of the story is getting richer. and the richness of this story is not necessarily a light or easy story. As we age and get older and have these reflections, we're at a different place in our lives. And I got to say that, you know, watching the Clerks movie, you know, back in the day on VHS, you know, it's just a total romp of fun that, you know, it's just so crazy and fun and happy. And where we were at at Clerks, too. I was so delightfully surprised with the story that unfolded with it because of the characters just having so much fun being their characters. But these characters in this movie are... They're not necessarily really having fun. Neither one of them seem to be where they want to be. Randall, you know, wanting to make his movie for the sake of feeling some sort of fulfillment in his life, and Dante being, you know, forever sad, its it feels like in the movie was uh, a a reality check of, okay, you know what, life's not great and life's not perfect. I do enjoy Kevin Smith's storytelling very much. It was very nice the way we have Becky's story gradually come out. We're, We're not hit right away with why she's dead. All we know is that she's dead and Dante is in mourning. It's it's later on in the story that you find out that it's a drunk driver. Randall being Randall and being able to unable and not being able to see anywhere past his own vision is just who Randall is. And finally, by the very end of the movie, he does reach that. He does see beyond himself. And so that is a satisfying conclusion that I get for Randall, as well as a satisfying conclusion as well for Dante being finally with Becky, and it's a happy, happily ever ending for those two. And the fact that the quick stop continues on, well, that made me feel pretty good too, and I felt good leaving, leaving the story where it was left. The movie in general is a satisfying watch, and I enjoy and appreciate and respect Kevin Smith and what he's done with the movie. But for me, I am not necessarily putting it up on top, and it's not going down below. I'm giving it 3.25 fucks.
1: 3.25 fucks for the professor. I'll go. Okay, you go. Going into the movie last night, I was super excited. Not only do I get to see the further adventures of two characters that I really have come to love, but I also get to hear about how it came to be from the guy who created them. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think Kevin Smith is easily in my top five directors of all time. Uh, Ever since, you know, Clerks 1, Dogma, Chasing Amy, uh, I can go on and on and on. I've always been a fan. Does he always hit it out of the park? No, not necessarily. But more often than not, to me, uh, he can do no wrong. I love his writing. I love his dick and fart jokes. I love when his dick and fart jokes become more adult jokes, and he has to leave that kind of humor behind. His characters show growth, and we said this earlier, we kind of grow up with them at the same time. The further adventures of Randall and Dante always intrigued me because I really did truly love the way we left them in 2. Clerks 2 is one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies of all time. Uh, The writing, just everything about it. We did a podcast, go back and listen to it. So I really expected a lot from Clerks 3. And what we got, I was actually very pleasantly surprised. Clerks 3 was very much in the same vein and same tone as the first one. So. You had the first one. We went a different direction in the second one, and then we came back around and uh, to do full circle for the third one, which is a great bookend to this Clerks story. Uh, you know, from the previews, you get that Randall's going to have a heart attack, and you get that they're going to make a movie, and it's going to be meta, and you're going to have all these fourth wall jokes, and it's just you think that it's going to be just so much fun, like Clerks two, but it wasn't. It was a heavy story, it was an emotional story, and it was told with a lot of heart. And I think that Kevin Smith, when he writes, he he puts everything out there. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, and you know what Kevin Smith is thinking. And I really appreciate that about him, because not everybody can do that. Everybody's too afraid of what other people will think. And Kevin Smith just wants to write a good story, and he doesn't care. Look at Tusk, right? Right? But with Clerks 3, I think that he did something that maybe was intentional, maybe it wasn't. He kind of grew up, you know what I mean? And God bless him for it. I really enjoyed Clerks 3. I can't decide whether or not I enjoyed it so much because of the setting we were in, because I knew that he was backstage and he was going to come out and talk about it. So I would definitely... I am definitely going to watch this film again and, you know, take a look at it. But for this and what we're doing and how we do our ratings and our and, and everything that goes along with that, I'm going to give Clerks 3 4.5 fucks because I liked it just as much as the second, if not better. But I have to go back and watch it again. But again, Kevin Smith can do no wrong in my book.
2: Very good. Shall I go next? Well, who else is left? I'm actually looking around the room. I don't see anybody else. Jill's
1: not here. Do you see a forced ghost of anybody? Uh, No. Okay, well then,
2: yeah, bud, it's your turn. Clerks launched Kevin Smith's career as he tapped into his own life experiences, pouring himself into the making of that movie. That's the main ingredients that made that movie so great. It spoke to the viewers on our level in our own language. This time around in Clerks 3, Kevin Smith revisits the well by again taking his own life experiences after experiencing a Widowmaker heart attack and using it to complete the Clerks trilogy. Kevin Smith presented us with a view of mortality and the fleeting nature of time all through the eyes of our two main characters, Dante and Randall. Clerk's 3 has a much darker tone. It's more of an emotional turn from our previous two movies, especially Clerk's 2, which was much more comical and and light-hearted at its core. As I watched this movie, I found myself asking three questions. Was Kevin's message clear? Did the movie have the right amount of view-askew nostalgia that we expect from a Kevin Smith movie? And was there a satisfying conclusion to the Clerks trilogy? Kevin Smith definitely succeeded in getting his message across without shoving it down our throats. Life is precious, so get shit done. And he did so with not only bringing back a huge amount of characters and themes from previous movies, but he also, in a genuine Kevin Smith way, responded to a lot of fan, unanswered questions. But was the conclusion satisfying? Clerks 1 focused on youth. Clerks 2 looked at aging and transition, and Part 3 delved into death and leaving your mark behind. Clerks 3 was meant to tie up all the unresolved issues from the previous original Clerks movies. And while some of the end results weren't the happy endings we might have hoped for, they made sense. This isn't the story that we wanted to be told, something that ties up everything in the pretty little bow, but actually, this is the story that Kevin wants us to absorb and take to heart. As Becky said in the movie, as long as you're alive, you can always start another chapter. So live while you can, love while you can, and God damn it, dream bigger. So for all those reasons, and because I'm totally biased towards Kevin Smith, I'm giving Clerks3 four and a half fucks.
1: All right, four and a half fucks from the comic book guy, four and a half fucks from me, and 3.25 fucks from the professor, which gives us an average of 4.1 fucks, which is slightly better than Clerks 2 and slightly worse than The Big Lebowski. So I'm okay with that. That mm-hmm. seems to fall in, in line with, with where, where, what we got going on.
2: I believe this is of the four movies we've now reviewed by Kevin Smith. This is the highest rated one.
1: Uh, I believe you are right. Clerks 2 came in at 4.0. Mallrats came in at 3.3. And Dogma came in at 3.7. So, yeah, Clerks 3 is the highest rated uh, Kevin Smith flick we got on three guys. Well, well done, Mr. Smith. Well done, Mr. Smith, indeed. And I just want to take this quick, quick moment uh, to say that, you know, Kevin Smith has every right to be... Uh, Just a huge, I don't know, I don't want to say dick, but you know how celebrities are sometimes. But the guy just seemed so genuine and so just absolutely touched by the love and all the support that the fans give him that he he spreads that back at you. And it was just such an awesome fucking experience. And thank you so much for our shout out and just the entire evening. It was fucking great. One of the things that
2: I loved about Kevin Smith last night and getting to see him, when we stayed around afterwards for the signing and the photos and everything like that, and he went around to sign an autograph on every little bit of thing that people had, Uh, his handler kept trying to move him along and just, you know, sign, move, sign, move. He stopped at every single person and started up a conversation. And even with this handler tugging on him, he finished that conversation with each one as he went around the room. He showed that he genuinely genuinely cared about each person there.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. He's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Mm Yeah all right so that is going to wrap it up for this episode of three guys in a flick i just want to thank zach ronnie and jill for listening thanks zach thanks ronnie thanks jill and if you were curious about which movie we are going to be reviewing next be sure to check out the website or any social media posts that we might have and uh speaking of which john where can they find us
2: well as always they can find us at our website threeguysinaflick.com where we go ahead and post our show notes movie trivia and anything else we feel like throwing up on that side they can also find us on any
1: of the social media as well as any place that hosts podcasts alright so there you have it wait I think we have a uh, special message from a special guest
0: hey man it's me Kevin Smith the annoying voice of podcasting and you're listening to the non-annoying three right. guys in a flick
1: Thanks, Kevin. We really appreciate that. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don.
3: I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening.
2: Oh, just We don't want to wake the professor, so if you're listening, please listen quietly. <laughs> please
1: listen quietly. How do people listen quietly?
0: Two, three sections longer directors, you know, of categories, categorized by directors, all their movies and shit. And so I was talking to Jamie and I was like, Jamie, I see there's a director category over there. Am I a director? He goes, yes, you're a director. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, but we don't have a section for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, scarecrow take thy beak from out my heart.
1: <laughs> Should we just jump into it?
2: Why don't you tell us a little bit about this
1: movie, Don? <laughs> I'm you a okay. Well, thank you, John. I will. I love his uh, positive Pollyanna attitude he's got going on right now. It's kind of perky. He is kind of perky.
0: Washington really fucking took care of me. on top of it. I had some of the best weed I've ever had in my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Clerks three was released on September 13th, 2020. It was directed by Kevin Smith. You said 2020, 2022.
2: Yeah. But he said 2020.
1: Yes, he did. You guys both fucking suck. I would have just left it in there. I don't
3: give a fuck.
1: Hey, accuracy, continuity.
0: Oh, for fuck's sakes!
2: Three Three guys
1: in a flick. Yep, I had it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna change my answer. I'm showing her clerks first.
2: But are you gonna have to cover ears when they talk about snowballing, dude? Why? Why, why would you even bring that up? Because it's going to come up when they, you watch the movie with her. How are you going to react well, like that? Well, I know
1: when it's coming up. I will get up and excuse myself sounds, as a good father would do.
2: Okay, I'm just you. I don't want to have to
1: have that conversation with you, well, you covered, about what I'm going to have a conversation with her because co- I'm not going to be there.
2: But you covered my ears when we got to that scene.
1: How many times was that?
2: In previous movies. Doesn't he use that line a lot?
1: Uh, Drop it, dead. I don't know. I don't think so i don't remember to where, where, where did you read that at i didn't read that i just remember that. <laughs> well then clearly it was fucking wrong okay. <laughs> who is it hey man it's me kevin smith oh uh, what are you doing here kevin are you
0: listening to the right podcast yes because you're supposed to be listening to three guys in flick i am are you listening to that right now yes then you're in the right place thanks enjoy. buddy enjoy
1: <laughs> uh, all right fuck off good night